0: Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Child speaks to Donal Patton about the practicalities of spring grazing, including feeding the cow, minimising poaching damage and hitting grazing residuals.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to this week's Let's Talk Dairy and... Uh, Contrary to what has been advertised, it's actually Donald Patton as opposed to Joe Patton that's with us today. Um, a, a brother, but um, I don't know, like, the younger brother. That's all I'd say about Joe I won't say any more about you relative to that in case you're upset, Joe. So, Donald's going to give us a very uh, good detail uh, in relation to the practicalities of spring grazing. I've seen Donald do this with uh, the nutrition course that we do in Chagas before, and I think he does a really, really good job. in just talking about the practicalities of the spring grazing not necessarily focusing on the percentages etc but just the, how you how you go about it and how to try and make it work for you no matter what type of land you're on and obviously donald's in belly which is isn't more park obviously but is doing a very good job in terms of grazing and actually have done trials of the early spring grazing versus the later turnout as well in the last couple of years too donald so might be able to maybe touch on that as well a little bit in terms of how it's it's impacted on performance. So I'll just hand over to you yep. so to go through your, your presentation. It'll be short enough today, 20 minutes uh, to half an hour, depending on the number of questions that we have, and we'd encourage you to throw in the questions on the QA and, and myself and Donald will answer them as we go. So all right, Donald, fire yep. away.
0: thanks. That's fine. You can see the screen there, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All is good. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. no, that's fine. So look at I suppose as as Stuart has said, um Really, the 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 idea of this presentation is really just for lads. Look at it, it's a busy time of year, so just a quick, you know, twenty minute presentation and just to talk around. I suppose the the stuff that we're all battling with for the next number of weeks in terms of getting cows out, um, getting cows out to grass and all that sort of stuff. So I suppose, look at, we're not going to talk uh, a lot in terms of the big picture stuff. It's more. Uh, Day-to-day, most of this is focused on the actual day-to-day kind of thing. Uh, Just the first first slide we'll do, we'll just look at the the first rotation, but apart from that, it's pretty much day-to-day. So I suppose look at, in terms of, this is kind of the way I always think of it in my head, in terms of, you know, there's choices to make, decisions to make day-to-day in terms of, you know, getting the cows out, uh, what you feed them, you know, is their silage going in, is their meal going in, is their grass going in, to what level? Um, and it's, to be honest, it's a balancing act. So we're trying to, you know, set the farm up correctly in the first round, but we're also trying to make sure the cow is is well fed, healthy and and heading for a, a good peak in terms of production. So the, the one, two, three, in my mind, these are the kind of the three points or the, the, the priorities, really. So priority number one is, is feed the cow. The cow has to be well fed, not just fed, just be well fed every day. And she has to be on a rising plane of nutrition so that's number one priority come what may otherwise that has to happen every day uh two then is i suppose look at we're trying to as much as we possibly can minimize the amount of poaching that we're doing by doing that and then i suppose the third point then is trying to achieve residuals and, and graze outs and look at sometimes we have to uh, sometimes we have to accept that we're not going to uh, reach the target residual all the time to make sure that one and two pints there are covered so Look at the first slide here really is um, uh, just a sort of a broad look in terms of the first rotation. So first rotation, look at it, 60 days pretty much uh, regardless where you are in the country. So for some people that start in early February and finish in early April, us up this neck of the woods, it's more so mid, mid-February, mid finishing mid-April. So I've just kind of split it down into, into three sections, you know, the first 20 days, second 20 days, and then the last 20 days. So really what the focus the, the focus is across that 60-day period. So um, the first third of, of, of that period, really, in my mind, what we're basically trying to do is we're trying to get through area. And look, you'll hear people harping on at that all the time and getting your know, 30% grazed by the 1st of March or the 10th of March, depending on the part of the country you're in or the type of farm you're on. <clears throat> but it makes perfect sense because doing that is what sets you up for the start of the second rotation. So that... You know, look, it sounds simple. We get 30% in the first, you know, in that first third. In reality, it's quite difficult to do, depending on the situation on the farm. So, look at if you've got guys with split calving patterns uh, or very early calving or very heavy stocking rates, actually, they'll have no problem achieving that. If you're calving fairly close to your, you know, turnout date, um, and and you're in a we'll call it a normal enough sort of a stocking rate, you know, two and a half to three cows to the hectare on the milking platform. Then getting through the first third is actually quite a struggle in terms of area. So the things look at we look at there is we try to minimize the silage as much as we can. Um I suppose that the third point there's second graze in the day, that that that's a thing that people which is understandable, people struggle maybe to get the cows out at night, even if they are getting them out during the day. And if you're not getting them out for a second bout of grazing, basically um it's it's nigh and impossible to get to that 30%. But on top of all that, we're trying to manage the cows at the most delicate period. So in that first 20 days, you have a lot of heifers calved. You know, you have a good chunk of what's got or everything that's gone out basically on most farms is freshly calved cows. So actually managing that transition, you know, a cow that's after going through the stress of calving. Then you're taking her from an all silage diet and trying to put her out to grass. So that's a tricky enough thing to do. And we'll talk about that a bit more in, in a few minutes. The middle third, then, in terms of, you know, the, 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 I'm sorry, I didn't say the first third, I would say I wouldn't be that worried about walking the farm every week. You know, you get an open and cover done, and then you just follow your area, try and get through as much area as possible. The second or the middle segment there, it's, you know, you have to start measuring a bit more regularly once a week if you can and focusing in on the budget and seeing where am I actually in terms of, you know, where I should be. Have I gone where, you know, is, is grass cover dropping too quick? Is it, is it higher than I expected? And if silage has to go in to stretch things, my preference is actually to do it there in the middle, not what happens on most farms, which is everybody, you know, they struggle in the first third, then they go hammer and tongs in the second third, and then they have to pull the break up, you know, towards the end of the first rotation. My preference is actually to put silage in in that middle segment, if at all possible. Um, Now, it is a little bit of a guessing game. And the reason why I prefer to put in there is more to do with the cow, I suppose. The cow's at a different stage. Um, I would like towards the the, the end or sorry, the last 20 days that basically the cow's on, you know, meal and silage or meal and grass, full grass diet. And she's, you know, heading into that second round. Uh, getting as well fed as you possibly can. So that's kind of it in terms of the the the, the three-thirds of the first rotation, what we're trying to do, get through the area, um, measure more regularly, shove in silage here if it needs to go in in the middle, and then that we're on all grass and whatever little bit of meal is going in or whatever towards the end of the first round, that we're, we're heading into the second rotation. But
1: so Donald, your, yeah, your point there, I suppose, is that you start off maybe in second gear, you're building up land through the gears, Mm-hmm. And you're maybe dropping back into third for the middle third, middle third of it there, so that you yeah. can be in fifth gear in the last Correct. period, rather than having Correct. to drop down again. Like just this. just
0: the experience, or my experience, going around on farms and stuff, Stuart, and you probably see it yourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you know when we and we've probably all made that mistake where we're the eternal optimists here in in, in mid to late March, and we think you know ah, it's going to come, it's gonna, you know it's going to come. We will keep going, we will fly on. And then we get to the 10th of April and our farm cover is going to drop through the floor and we have to shove in a lot of silage. From my point of view, for the cow, it's the wrong time to do that. I have no problem in doing it in March if it has to be done, but I hate to do it. I'm not saying I haven't done it. I have done it done it, and I don't like it. I hate doing it in April. So basically, I suppose that you're following the budget, Stuart, and if silage has to go in, you know, make the call early, put it in here in the, in the middle that by the time you sort of hit you know, uh, the last 10 or 15 days of your first rotation, it's all grass and they're heading into their second round, you know, basically going on an all grass diet. So they're going to hit peak in a better position, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And and I suppose it makes life a little bit easier. And as you said, like, she's really all hoping that you could get away with it. But in reality, like you're in that zone or kind of maybe feeding silage, to stock still at that stage. And yes, anyway.
0: that, that and as well as that, we'll talk about it in the next stage, Stuart. You know, in this middle sector, I I know it doesn't always work out this way, but generally speaking here in the middle, you know, the first and the middle third, conditions are usually that, but, you know, soil moisture is just a little bit higher. Grazing conditions are usually a little bit more difficult. So, you know, why not use that kind of to your advantage? So silage has to go in, put it in here when it's easier to do, I suppose, in a way that, you know, what I hate to do is on the 10th of April, be feeding silage when the grazing conditions are good. I'm just doing it because I let things go too far here or I didn't get through enough area in the first thought. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So look, I I suppose back to our three points. So point number one is, is, you know, feed the cow. The cow has to be well fed every day and she has to be getting a little bit more today than she got yesterday. Yesterday, I suppose. That's the, that's the kernel of it. And that's what we're trying to do. So, um, in in terms of grazing and putting grass into the diet, you know, we talk a lot about the reduction in feed costs. And it does have it has a, a pretty big reduction or b- big effect on feed costs. So the, the trial that Stuart mentioned there, where we had cows in Ballyhays over the last four years, we basically had cows turned out sort of mid-February versus cows turned out mid-March. Um, during that period when some were in the shed and some were in the paddock. You know the cows in the paddock were getting sort of three kilos of of a of a fourteen uh, percent nut. The cows in the shed were getting seven kilos of an eighteen percent nut, and production was pretty much the same during that period. So we've all learned that I suppose in years like thirteen, um, you know, years like twenty thirteen or twenty twelve or twenty eighteen, where we don't have the grass and we have to replace it with with other feeds, it's quite expensive the other, the thing we probably don't spend enough time talking about is actually the effect it has on, you know, the cow's diet. So it's not just about reducing feed costs, it's actually as well about that, it's about feeding the cow better. So a lot of people talk about, you know, we need to feed the cow really well, and in their minds that means, you know, extra concentrates or whatever. But actually getting more grass in there, if the grazing conditions are good, getting more grass in there has a big, big impact. So look at we know it's going to increase the energy, which is a big limiting factor, the energy and protein. But the last point there, the, the intake potential, that's probably something we don't talk that much about. So basically, if you take a grazing diet versus a silage diet, um, you know, you're going to get that extra intake potential, maybe, you know, a kilo or whatever of extra intake of forage. And that's what really drives on the, the production. And you'll see that the guys that are doing a good job on that, um, you know, when they get up to to peak they're sitting at two kilos plus of solids then when they're hitting peak so it's it's actually by getting the grass in you're feeding the cow better you know it's not just about getting the feed cost down um and i suppose the third point there my approach is and even we'll say in that middle third of silage has to go in which it does have to go in you know some years or a good few years i suppose uh my approach is look we get some grass in every day so it's not that we stop grazing and we pull off altogether look at that can happen if it gets particularly bad but really the 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 thing is that we're trying to get some grass in every day and really the decision should be you know when do i bring them in not do i put them out so look at they go out every day if i have to bring them in after two hours so be it Uh, but they're going out you know as many days as we possibly can and one little practical thing i would say on that is that you know Oftentimes, you'll see where people will make that call before they start milking in the morning. So they'll go out, slashing rain, rain, ah, put them in the shed, uh, and then you finish milking, you finish feeding the calves a couple hours later, the sun is shining, but the cows are lying down with a belly full of silage. So what I would sort of say to guys is, look, do your milking, let the cows stand in the collecting yard if you're not sure, and uh, get your jobs done and then you can have a look around you and say, well actually it's not that bad. I will chance them out. Or if it's really bad, right? And I have to go in, they have to go in. But it's to delay a decision because oftentimes um actually an hour or an hour and a half later it doesn't look as bad. So um the effect then I suppose of early grazing on, on car nutrition. So that's that's one of the things, you know, that that first tour, that first um that first uh, 30% or forty percent the, the effect that getting out and grazing that has actually on feeding the cow, you know, 50 or 60 days later. So, you know this if you're in discussion groups or whatever going around and you see the guys that do a good job in first rotation grazing, you know, you'll see it then when those lads hit second, third, fourth rotations. They're just, the cows are humming, they're getting into good quality grass. Um, And they have no problem grazing them out. It's not that they have to be forced to graze them out, you know, in the second, third, fourth rotation. And it was one of the things in our trial where we were looking at um, a delayed turnout. It wasn't a delay. It was what's average for our region, region, which is sort of mid-March, but delayed for us. When, When we looked at that, it was actually the effect it had on us in April, May. And we were pretty aggressive about trying to sort it out, but it probably took us up until late May, early June, before we had those systems back back on track i suppose so it's the effect that that getting the grazing done early actually has on your second and third round is is a big thing Um, and the last point there is in terms of silage if silage has to go in so look at uh, if silage has to go into the diet there's there's a number of different ways of doing it so what some people will do is and we will just take an example of you know you can afford to give the cows um, 10 kilos of grass you're short we'll say three kilos of forage and you need to get three kilos of silage in. So, look at it's uh, what some people will do, and I would have done this myself in the past, uh, they, they'll try and feed a small bit of silage to every cow every day. So, it generally that approach seems to work better on dry farms. Uh, we would tend to take a different approach. So, instead of feeding seven kilos, or sorry, three kilos for seven days, we'll just feed seven kilos for three days. So, basically, what we'll do is we'll pick our days or nights to go out. So, basically, if, if there's three seven kilos, we'll sort of say, right, what's the three wettest nights this week? And we'll hold the cows in. And that, it it, uh, it it sorts out the silage going in in terms of the feed budget, but it it leaves the grazing, I find, an awful lot easier to do it that way. So it's kind of whatever suits yourself. The last one there then, I suppose, is what some people will do, um, maybe in that situation towards the end of the first rotation, where they need to slow the thing for a week or 10 days, um, you know, grazing conditions are fine outside, maybe all the cows calved, cubicle accommodation is a little bit tight, or feed space is a little bit tight. What some people will do is they'll hold in, you know, the last two or three rows of, the, of cows and do that on rotation. So that's probably the best option I would find for when you have a lot of cows calved and grazing conditions are good, is actually to pull off, you know, two, three rows or whatever you need to do to reduce your demand enough. Uh, the cows in the shed aren't under pressure. The cows in the field are getting the same allocation and there's no, um, I suppose, upset in terms of the daily routine. There's no bringing cows in in the middle of the day to get silage. So it's kind of whichever one suits your own particular situation, really. Um, so that's the, the feeding the cow part of it. The second point then is, look, at minimising the poaching. So this is drilled into us all <laughs> fairly early on, you know, not the poached ground. Um and, and maybe more so the lads on on heavier soil types, which is understandable because maybe they don't, um, heavier clay soils won't recover as quickly. But I suppose the first thing is, um, and this would be more not for the experienced guys going to grass, they they kind of know this anyway, but maybe for new entrants or people starting out or trying to pull the grazing season, you know, or or, or the turnout date back a few weeks than what it normally would be. Um, I suppose the first thing is you don't panic on the first day. So, what I would generally do with guys is I'd say to them, right, we're going out on Monday and we're going to keep going till Friday, give them, give them an end point. So we're going to keep going till Friday and we'll see how we go, no matter what happens on day one or two, uh, because day one or two is always that little bit, um, cows are you know, a lot of heifers calved and they'll do a lot of jumping around and uh, can do a little bit more damage. So I suppose that's the first thing. The second thing is look at flexibility, um, go where you can when you can. Um, And look at people, I always talk about, you know, go to the dry paddocks when it's wet, I would always think about it more so the other way that you go to the wet paddocks when it's dry. So for us, uh, and it's look at Ballyhays, any uh, people who've been there sort of know that it's quite a mix, there's some good dry land and then there's some quite heavy ground in it. So for us, the big focus is actually on you know, when it's dry, it's it's what we do when it's dry, not what we do when it's wet. When it's wet, we're limited on what we can do. It's actually where do we go when it's dry? Um, so that's the, the, getting those areas. Now that could be area that's heavy ground, or it could also be maybe parts of the farm that aren't as well set up for grazing in terms of infrastructure. You know, when it's dry, maybe try and get those areas pulled off if you can. Um, the on-off grazing. Look at uh, we did. I did a, a quick look back at the the records for the last four years and pretty much the differential between the cows going out in February and the cows going out in March was on-off grazing. So we do somewhere between 25 and 30 days on-off grazing in the spring. Um, and generally speaking, the way we would operate is that, look, at just until the thing settles, so usually up until the 10th of March, they're just on-off grazed at night. They just come in at night pretty much regardless, Um um in terms of look at it makes the thing simple cows come back in um and during the day then we can make our, when the lads are there they can make the call whether to bring them in or not so if it's a good fine day they'll leave them out if they need to come in after the few hours they can they can do so and um, so look at it's a great tool to use i think lads probably need a little bit of help with it to try and get it to work right And um, it's it you know going back to our first point of making sure the cow is well fed look at it's one thing on off grazing for three or four days, but if you're doing like what we're doing or lads on heavier ground where we're doing it consistently right through maybe the first 30 or 40 days or whatever it is, uh, we have to be really careful in terms of the, the, the cow being well fed. So uh, look at the silage thing. Personally, it doesn't bother me that much if, if silage has to be fed. Uh, we would do a little bit of that ourselves. We'll feed a kilo to two kilos dry matter of silage um, in the shed when the cows come in at night and we don't find it as a problem. Uh, And we do that, I suppose, partly because we have quite a long interval at night, um, and it's just to make sure that the cow has been well fed. Some people will do that, um, you know, they'll able to do that. I suppose if you've got diet feeders or that in the system, people can measure out that quite easily. If you're feeding bales or blocks of silage, it's a little bit harder to do. So maybe what some people will do is they'll do it on a time basis rather than measuring the feed out. So they'll give them... An hour's access to silage or two hours access to silage after the cows come in and, and close them back. Look, I suppose the big thing is if silage is going in, it has to be done in a measured way. If you give them full access to silage, basically the next grazing, uh, they're not going to gonna do very little. So if you're doing it, do it in a measured way, I suppose. Um, the the four-point there in terms of 12-hour breaks, look, it's a very basic thing. Um, I would see it out in farm where people we say I know I can't look at they're doing too much damage. I have to stop grazing. You go out to see them and they're grazing two two grazings or three grazings in, in the one area. Um so it's a very basic thing, but it's probably a thing that's you know some people aren't doing um consistently. Uh, basically first rotation pretty much it's 12 hour breaks the whole way through for us. Now I know lads on dryer land can get away with without that and that's fine. But if you're on any way sort of normal to tricky land, I would say 12 hour breaks pretty much right the way through the, the first rotation, unless it's exceptionally dry. Um, the, the other thing I suppose on that is that the tendency is, so when you get, run into these really difficult periods of like just constant rain or, or very, very wet periods, the tendency with lads is actually to give more area when it's wet. And I would go the opposite way. I would actually tighten the area. I give them a smaller area, pull them off quicker, and then feed a little bit of silage when they come in if you have to do it. Um, I think when you do that, it's very surprising. So basically, you know, you may, instead of allocating seven kilos of grass, you only allocate five kilos of grass, pull them off after two hours and give them a couple of kilos of silage when they go in. Look at, okay, there's a bit of silage going into the diet, but at least least they've got the five kilos of grass in. Whereas if you said, no, it's too wet, no grass is going into the diet. So that actually... Works quite well, I find, in the really difficult conditions. You know, the days when you're questioning should you be out or not, and you'll get away without doing much damage at all.
1: Apparently, in terms, of, yeah, just go ahead. Uh, just the twelve-hour breaks on an ongoing basis. We'll say you're staying there for maybe twenty, thirty, forty days. Mm. What, are you given access to water all the time, or are you, what? What way do you deal, or what do you think about the water?
0: It'll depend. So, it'll yeah. Look at we talked about feeding the cow. Look at the no more than any of the rest of us. Stuart number one part of nutrition is actually water so the cow has to get water and if we're on off grazing so conditions are difficult and I think that's where people get caught with it you know you don't want to let cows back over bare ground to get the water so that's fine if we're if we're on off grazing I don't worry about access to water in the paddock so we have the You know, we have access to water actually in the collecting yard and there's good drinkers in the sheds with good flow into them. So basically, if they're only going out for two or three hours coming back in and they've got a drink of water directly after milking and they're going to get water when they come back in, eh, I wouldn't be too worried about it. Now, if we're given 12 hour breaks and they're staying out full time, they need access to water in whatever way you can do that.
1: But the, the sweet this flip there is that if they're staying out, the chances are they can actually go Correct. back over a bit of Correct,
0: rain. exactly. So you can be a little bit more, we'll say, going in terms of giving them access. So if they're staying out, exactly, that's exactly the point. If they're staying out, um, usually ground conditions is good enough to let them stay out. And look at you, you, you drop your wire and you can let them back over barrier to get the, get the water. I suppose in terms of the, the night grazing for that first few weeks, We just find that, um, look at by not having to make the decision. I've often seen it where you sort of say, "Ah, it's look, it's it's not too bad." Yeah, we leave them out tonight. You go out the next morning, and it's 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 damaged because just a shower of rain came at six o'clock in the morning or whatever, and they've done more damage in that last twenty minutes than they did the whole ten hours beforehand. So, we just find when the when the when um, ground conditions are so so, it's just easier just to just say right. Come in after three hours. Now, obviously for lads on good dry ground, they don't need to do that. But for us, we just find that we do that, it's actually that we'll get away with doing an awful lot less damage across the, the that first 30, 40 days. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yep. So you're just cut, just in the in that zone basically, a bit like the the mid mid-third that you're staying there, you're happy to feed the silage, you just stick to the principles of take them off
0: yes and i suppose yeah for people with maybe that they're not doing it all themselves and their staff on the farm and stuff it just takes a layer of decision making out of it look at the come in Uh, you know if you've got the facilities look at the the come in um and that's it and it's it's a sort of a routine and that's that's just the way it's done the the i suppose maybe i didn't mention it there is is evening milking time is a big driver that so in situations where people are milking late in the evenings, which does definitely in this part of the world it happens. Um, basically, the cows need to be going back to grass at sort of five o'clock. That you can bring them in at eight. Um, if they're not going back late o'clock, you know nobody's going to ask somebody to go out and bring cows in uh, at at ten or eleven or twelve o'clock at night. So evening milking time has a, a a bit of a as a, a big effect actually on that. Like whether it's
1: going. To want to just or- just out of interest, now, your thoughts and. We we'll say you said there. If you're not going day and night in February, it's hard to achieve the target. But we we'll say if a person is on their own and they're obviously maybe maybe depending on a bit of help yeah. uh, in the evening time and they are milking that bit later, is there a way that they can still try to achieve their their 25 or 30 percent? Maybe going for that little bit lower cover on an ongoing basis throughout the month of February. Absolutely, yeah,
0: yeah. And as look, I didn't mention it there, but yes, um if you're trying to get through area, and to be honest, uh, you probably have to do that anyway, Stuart. Even if you are yeah. getting out for the the the, 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 the extra graves, and and I suppose that's on a farm by farm basis. You know, you look at it and you'll say, well, actually look at this guy's heavily stocked or he has he's calving quite early he's going to fly through you know he can out by day he's going to hit his target Um for other people when you're in a situation where you're calving closer to grass it's more of a challenge so definitely yes go into your lighter covers which you probably need to be doing anyway. um from getting the cow grazing point of view um you know that's a big help it'll definitely get it definitely gets you through more area absolutely so look at just on the last point there on poaching, um in terms of what's acceptable and look at it, it's hard to do it on a on some in a forum like this. Um I just we we did a bit of measuring in terms of actually poaching um in Ballyhays, and there's been a good bit of stuff done in, in, in um Salahead on it over the years. James Humphreys would well, have done a lot of work on it. So when you look at what's acceptable from a growth point of view, look at moderate poaching once during the spring has zero impact on growth and we saw that. So we had, as I say, we had a group of cows that were out mid, you know, 30 days earlier in spring and maybe 20 days later in autumn. So by the law of averages we we're going to do more, you know, we were grazing in more difficult conditions um, and it had zero impact on growth. So from a growth perspective, look at um, that moderate amount of poaching done early. You know, done once in the spring. It's a different thing if it happens twice in a row or second rotation. That's a that's a different prospect. But in the spring, it's not really a problem. Now, the environmental one is one that there's a bit of a question mark around. We haven't done measure, or when we were doing our trial, we didn't do environmental measures. Um, but some people would, be, would that be asking the questions in terms of um, um, overland flow of pea and stuff like that, particularly on heavier soils. So that's something where, look, at we have to be a little bit more careful on, I suppose. But from a growth perspective, basically, um, that moderate amount of poaching, and when you see moderate poaching when it's measured in terms of actually going to measure it, most farmers would look at that as worse than moderate, if you know what I'm saying. So, look, at it's just something we're trying to minimize it as much as we can, but small Past bits and pieces of it's going to happen across the spring. We just try and minimise it as much as we can. So I suppose the last point then uh, really is is the residuals. So we're, we've we're, we're trying to the cows been well fed. Um, we're we're minimising the most mo- the amount of poaching we're doing, and then the last thing is trying to graze the graze the farm out well. So from the point of view and Stuart's after mentioning it there, and of where you actually start grazing, uh, the covers you go into. That's a big a big driver of it. So look at going into your thousand covers clean and green. So as much as the actual cover on the paddock, it's it's what it looks like. So clean, green to the base, they're the type of covers that cows will start off well on, they'll graze them out well. And if you can get that first batch of 20 or 30 cows into the routine of grazing out well, every cow that adds in after that, it's much easier to train her. So Getting that right at the start uh, does set you up, and it 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 makes the thing work well. So the thing is, I suppose, and we mentioned it there earlier on. Look, at if you get the residuals right in the first rotation, it's going to set you up for following rotations. But it is a balance, you know, and getting it wrong it, it it'll suppress production. So if you look back and look at all the stuff that was done, has been done, and there's been a number of trials done in this in Moor Park over the years, and um, the targets are targets for a reason. So. We, we kind of know at this stage where we need to go. So it's somewhere between three and a half and four centimetres in the first round. And then you can relax back a little bit to four, four and a half in the, from the rounds later on than that. So if we go too tight, so we, you know, and this is probably something that I would have done when I was starting off, I would have been completely focused on residual. And um, So you're, you're nailing it to three and three and a half all the time. If you do that, uh, basically you're going to suppress production. Uh, in the cow so she's not going to reach peak and if you look at your look back at your um, own figures on your own farm if you're not hitting that two kilos of solids peak and maintaining it for a number of weeks maybe that's something to look into are you actually pushing the thing too hard in that first round you know is everything perfectly grazed out all the time but the cows are a kilo a kilo and a half short in terms of intake so if you, if you go too tight you're going to sp- suppress production but if you go the opposite way and you go too lax Um, it's going to suppress production in a different way. So in second, third rotations, there's going to be more dead material at the base of the sward. And basically the cow can't get intake at that stage. So the targets are targets for a reason. It's because lots and lots and lots of trials have been done on it. And instead of arguing we probably should just try and get to it as many days as we possibly can. Um, One of the things I would say that I would do would be to look at, as a a rule, just over-allocate once a week. So, if you're in a situation, or if you've, you know, if you're 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 doing the thing of actually going out and allocating on a on a kilo per head per day basis, just once a week, we'll say on a Monday or Tuesday or pick your day, you say right, this is that's that's half a hectare. So today the book says half a hectare. I'm going to give them point six or point seven, uh, just today and see what happens. If you over allocate and you know the cows nail it. then go up again and keep going up until the until the residual rises a little bit it's just a way of guarding against uh, pushing the cows too hard and you do it once a week if you do it and the residual is five or five and a half or six centimeters you go back to your book value it's just a sort of a it's a check on yourself uh, because at the end of the day where most people are putting you know whether they're eyeballing or whatever it's not an exact science in terms of putting the cover on a paddock we could be hundred. We could be two hundred out. So by doing this, the cow is going to tell us whether we're right or wrong. Um, and then I suppose the last point then is look at residual. It's a funny thing in, in my mind. It's probably the easiest thing to measure. Um, if you're out with discussion groups or that, and you look at you know you look at pasture base. Everybody grazes to fifty all the time. Um, but when you go out to farm, it's anywhere from. 050 plus 300 in reality. So it's probably a thing within discussion groups, even at meetings, you know, taking the plate. If there is one member of the group has a plate meter, or if you have a friend as a plate meter, maybe the odd time across the spring, they actually come and say, You're thinking in your head, this is well grazed out get them to measure it. Because the great thing about the plate meter measuring residuals is there's, there's no ambiguity really with it. It is what it is. So it's probably something we do need to look a bit tighter on and measure a bit more often, I suppose.
1: Okay, very good, Donald. Really. Yeah, so there's a couple of questions there now and because they were kind of, I knew that they were coming up in the presentation, small bit I didn't bring them in at the time, but uh, two questions. The first one is how do you measure out the amount of grass for a twelve-hour break, and the reason I didn't ask that is because of your uh, question, your point about the overallocation. But you can answer that in in a second. And then the other one is how do you manage the grazing residuals in that middle third when you're feeding silage? Mm. So
0: look, I suppose the first thing is right the the the, the measure. Measuring out the area, it's probably not the forum to do it here, Stuart, I suppose, in terms of look at it. It's
1: hard to describe it. like.
0: Yeah, it's hard to describe it. It's something that if you don't know how to do, well, I suppose the first thing I'll say is that the, there's a new addition to the app, um, to the PBI app, if you're using it, where there's actually a, a, an allocation calculator included now where basically you can put in the cover on the paddock, how many cows are going in uh, to the paddock, uh, how much grass I've given them, and it'll work out then how many grazers you're going to get and you can put in your, your you know, the length of the fence and it'll tell you where to put the wire. It's, to be honest with you, it's not for here because we could be 20, we could be 20 <laughs> minutes talking about it. It's, it's something, if you don't know how to do it, fine, get onto your advisor, get onto someone in your group and actually figure that it'll take a bit of time to figure that I know from doing it with students and farmers and stuff, it just, it's one of them things that takes a wee bit of time and even if you, even if you do know how to do it, it's all predicated on the cover you put in there being right, and the intake of the cow you put into the calculation being right. And either of those things could be ten or fifteen percent up or down. So that's where the allocation, Even if we know exactly how to do the sum, and we know exactly how to set up the you know the allocation. If I put the wrong cover on the paddock or I underestimated the amount, of cows eat, the amount of cows eaten or overestimated, that could be a little bit out. So that's where this allocation once a week comes in. Uh, the second question then, Stuart?
1: Yeah, it was just how you're
0: managing the residual with the, with the silage going in in the middle towards. The residual with the silage going in is one that always comes up. Uh, I've never seen it as a major problem. And that's probably a little bit against what a lot of people would say. I found, just if I flick back here, I found when I was doing this, uh, feeding some every day, I found it an absolute nightmare. A nightmare to get them to graze out properly. And that was because when you're doing that, there's a couple of things, I suppose. The first thing is, you know, measuring out the amount of silage that you're feeding in real terms, you know, how accurate are you going to be? The second thing is, when do you feed it? Do you feed it after milking? Do you feed it before milking? Do you bring them in early? What well, we used to, tr- we tried it every way and we used to try and do was bring them in, you know, an hour before milking. In the, When we were doing that, what we found was it broke the whole routine of the farm up. Cows became unsettled. If you put them back, if you put them into a paddock and there was, you know, a wettish day and there was a little bit of grass left on the paddock, but they knew there was going to be silage in the shed. They would stand and absolutely roar at you. So that's why we moved to this second way of doing things. And f- from that point of view, I don't find it having a major impact on residual. The one thing I suppose our little trick to it is, you know, if we'll say we're going to house them on Friday and Saturday night, well, then your Saturday and Sunday allocations maybe tighten the back up a kilo or two kilos on the grass just to, you know what I mean that they're if they're getting a full allocation of silage at night when they're going out you just tighten them up a little bit on the grass and they will graze out quite well but when we were doing this up here I've yeah it definitely had a bigger impact I
1: think on the residual. So well, there's a the level of expectation of the cow which uh, yes did, it's behavior as
0: as... it's probably behavior more than anything else Stuart and it's really hard to account for and yeah. you know when you go out, the, go out the road on the quad they all come shouting oh, straight it, away you no know, yeah. so I just find this here with 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 either the second or third option, there, when the cows are in, they're in, and when they're out, they're out. You know, and if they're out, they're, they're allocation the grass until the, you know, for the three hours or until the next milking, and they kind of know that, and you get them much more settled. The the last one there works really well from that point of view. Actually, the cows that will be shouting on this one is the ones maybe that will be in the shed. You know, but because they've got loads of room and silage in front of them, it's not a not a major issue. So that would be my experience of it. Just the little tip is just if you're given six kilos of grass a day, you know, tighten them maybe to four for the days after that they've been in at night.
1: And in the last case, they're done they're after ambushing them because they're actually expecting to get grass the next thing they're turned into the shade Correct. the last couple Correct. of rows. Now, and as you uh, said, I suppose just to clarify that as well, you, when you're saying on rotation, you're mean, you mean basically that you the cows that are in the shed and leave
0: them be milked first, then the next time. Yes, if, if you they can they do that, if you can do that, I I know uh, a chap in one of the groups I'd be involved with. There, uh, the way he was doing it, he had an, an automatic drafting system, and the way he did it, he he basically set up group one, two, three, and four. So we will say the hundred cows, and he oh, yeah. pulled twenty foot five cows off per milking to to slow them up enough. Well, basically, what he did is look at group one today, this morning, group two this evening, three tomorrow morning, three tomorrow evening. So, basically, every cow in the herd was getting three grazings and a night and about a of silage, three grazings and about of silage. Yeah. And that's, if you have a draft, or that's probably the best way to do it. If you don't, exactly what you say, run the cows that's in the shed in first, let the cow and let them on to the field, and then the last two rows hold for the shed. But there probably will be a bit of overlap on that, no matter how you do it. But it's just, in my mind, that's the one that you use towards the end of the first rotation where cubicle space, accommodation, stuff like that's getting tight in the yard. And the other thing about that, but, but grazing conditions are good. The other thing about that from a labor point of view is, we would say for that guy, he only has to clean 30 cubicles, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah. And he can put silage in in a small enough area. He's not trying to spread it out over a big area. So that that works really well. That's sort of for the, the, the third, third, if you get what I'm saying, of yeah. the first rotation. And the middle one there is what we would use in March if there's a chunk of silage to go in.
1: Okay, uh, and then to, uh, the third question then is what concentrate supplementation would you recommend for heavy-grown farm where cows could be yeah. on off for a, a, a week and then back indoors the following week?
0: Yeah, well, look at we would have always gone with sort of three kilos of a fourteen percent. Not last year, we we upped that a little bit and we went to uh, four kilos of a sixteen percent. Now look at on book value, Stuart. It says there need for the sixteen percent. Mm-hmm. Um, we just found, and uh, we were happy enough with the way the cows was to, to got to a bit of a better peak and went up a little bit in production and stuff. Now it's it's hard to know was it all down to that, I suppose, but. I suppose the way I look at it is it 's erring a little bit on the side of caution if as as the person who asked the question sort of saying they 're obviously on a similar type farm they understand the story if you 're on off grazing for long periods of time if you're um if there's you know the reality is there 's going to be silage in and out and stuff like that to me sort of somewhere around three to four kilos of a sixteen not for that first sort of forty to sixty days, and then you can drop back to your you're uh you're 12 or 14 percent not at that stage
1: um, and the other the other bit of advice i give there as well donald is i suppose um feed companies might like me enough for this month maybe but like only buy small uh, loads yeah. at this stage yes of the year because it can change quick. flexibility you don't have a bin full of something that isn't going to be appropriate for you in two weeks time
0: that's very true yeah it can and change actually, in one sense can change when, you quick.
1: Talk, when you talk to some of the leads in the feed companies they nearly prefer it rather than coming out with Big loads to one farm, they can pick off a couple of smaller yes. loads to yep. a couple of farms. So they're happier, yep. maybe in that sense. So maybe depending on the scale that they heard, like you'd be talking maybe four ton loads is probably going to be your minimum. Just mm. get four ton if it lasts you a week or a fortnight, then you can make the decision then what you need the next mm. time round. But I suppose your point, Donald, is that um, a bit like the grass and the, the protein element of it, you're erring on make, making sure that they have just enough. Yeah, protein. look at, I
0: suppose, look at if you've got 16% crude if you've got 16 percent protein silage and you know you've got good quality grass and you'd sort of ask the question but i think on a lot of farms out there you know the reality is getting getting silage to match up as in the jobs of the good quality silage left for spring and all this sort of stuff like sometimes people end up having to put silage in in march and it mightn't be 16 percent crude protein <laughs> uh if you know what i'm saying so i think look at uh, unless everything is perfect i would say look at 16 percent, at it's no big deal for that first few loads and then you can drop back to your 14
1: then yeah very good yeah. so i suppose to sum it up so graze when you can where where you can when you can mm-hmm. um think about more getting them out rather than keeping them in as and uh bring them in quicker than if, if the conditions aren't favorable really and maybe look at some of the there's the points that are up there at the bottom of the slide. So you have the options of feeding some silage every day, but you're going to have to be careful when you're allocating in that scenario. Um, on the heavier farms, you're recommending to maybe just decide to stay in on particular nights during the week when you know it's going to be that much trickier. Uh, and then we'll say for later in the period of time we're talking about maybe rotating if tight on space or whatever. But um, the objective is to get the, that 25-30% grazed I suppose we always talk about the 1st of March, but um, like it's very hard for Donald and myself to give generic advice in relation to that. Depending on the farm, mm-hmm. it's going to be maybe the 1st of March, it may be the 10th of March on the heavier soils. So just, um, I suppose, talk to your own local advisor in relation to your, your what's appropriate for your farm. And that could vary even within the regions that advisors are dealing with what's appropriate for individuals' farms. The Objective is to try and get some ground, a good, nice bit of ground grazed in February, in order to have that good quality grass coming back in early April, which is going to, as Donald said, drive on that production from the two kilos mil solids up to the two and a half possibly, and also have cows primed for breeding. So, there's a bit of look, there's a lot going on in, in this spring period, obviously, between cows calving calves and trying to get the grass right. But if you can, if you can just, I suppose, implement some of the stuff that Donald has said, suggested there. It actually makes it easier and um, it's not as onerous a task. Like I mean, as Donald said, there's no need to be out walking every week during this stage of the year, but just try to do a good job on grazing out as you go along because it'll set you up nicely for the rest of the year. So I suppose um we'll leave it at that. Thanks a million, Donald, for that. As I said, I like the I love the practical nature of your, your talk in relation to this all the time and hopefully people that are listening in have gotten something good from it. Um, We wish you all the best for the week and we'll see you again next week. So thanks very much. That's
0: all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interview on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and thanks for listening.